and nice afternoon temperatures under sunny skies. Early morning, we'll start off in the 60s, and the highs go to the lower 80s. Sunshine to partly cloudy Saturday, a bit more humid with the afternoon of the lower to middle 80s. And then humidity may touch off a thunderstorm or shower. Partly sunny skies on Sunday afternoon. Fronts coming through next week will bring down some nice touch of fall-like weather. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. CDC is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of a novel or new coronavirus. There are steps you can take now to get ready if an outbreak occurs in your community. Make a household plan. Older adults and people with chronic medical conditions are at greater risk. Take extra steps to protect them. Think about what you will do if there are changes to your work schedule. Practice good health habits, such as frequently washing hands with soap and water, staying home when sick, and covering coughs and sneezes. For more information, visit cdc.gov. We slide into the slipperiest part of uh, the, the uh, ordinary that I am part of, and also the biggest, and everything in between. It's um, our favorite uh, place to go out and eat with a little bit of something unusual. It's the food show. The food show. Welcome to the food show. And it is with celebrated Tom to us. With Fitzmorris and Marianne Fitzmorris. Yeah, she's and here too. And we have too. Ron already on the line. Ron is already on the line. So we're going to call him the gourmet first caller because that is exactly what you are, Ron. Hey. Hey, thank you very much. A special trip to Greg. I'm occupying his yeah. position at yeah. the moment. You are. You are. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I haven't heard from Greg in a while. Who? Greg. Gourmet first caller. Hmm. He has now we'll have to, been edged out by Ron, the gourmet first caller. We'll have to channel Greg uh, by uh, threatening okay. to take away his chow number if he doesn't call in soon. It's Ron. It's there one of go. our Rons, right? <laughs> there you go. Ron's, are you there? Ron? Yes, it is Ron. Yes. Hey, we'll Ron, what you got for us today? Um, I made a meal last night. Uh, you all were talking, to Marianne, I think you were talking about North Boston and all the Italian restaurants in North Boston. Well, there's, there's uh, one in northeastern Boston. There's one in northeast Boston Tom. close to the airport. It's called Reno's, R-I-N-O-S. Uh-huh. Okay. And I, I watched him on Diners, that. Drive-Ins, and Dives make some uh, crawfish ravioli or shrimp ravioli. I forget what the protein was, but he made the pasta from scratch. And I went ahead and did it last night, and it really worked out well. So I was going to tell everybody how to do it, if that's okay. It's real quick. Yeah, sure. Okay, get the best flour you can find. Go for some, like, white lily or get some double zero flour. I would go to Equistapes if you're on the North Shore, or I would go to Dornac's if you're on the South Shore. You want to get some expensive flour, some really soft, silky flour. And then what you do is you, you mm. put about a softball mound of that on the counter, okay? And then just put your fist right in the middle of it and make a well. So now you have a little bowl made out of flour. And then... You're going to take probably four or five eggs and just crack them right in the hole, okay? Crack them right in this little, this little well. And then get a fork and just kind of stir them around a little bit. You're going to add a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and that's it, mm-hmm. okay? And just start to whisk, and as, like that a... flour, as that flour slowly starts to come together with the egg, at some point, you're just going to put the fork down, and you're just going to use your hands, and you're just going to kind of mold this thing together, flip it, and then press flip it and press, but don't beat it up too long, okay? 
maybe 30 seconds and just get this, get a nice consistency going. And then all you want to do is you want to sprinkle it with flour and then just put a bowl over it and come back about an hour later. And then mm-hmm. if you don't have a, uh, a press, it's easy. It's terribly easy. If you don't have a press, what I use is I just use like a rolling pin. Or if I can't find my a rolling, rolling pin? pin, I'll just use like a, uh, a soup can. Okay, just something that can put some pressure on this. And I, I cut it out, okay, into little pieces, and I just roll them in flour. And what I'm doing is I'm just making little, uh, little squares, little, rectangle, little rectangles, okay? And what I, do, and what I do is I cut a couple of little pieces off, and I just put that in some salted water, and it's ready in about four minutes. Okay, the thinner you slice four? it, or the thinner, the thinner you press it, okay, if you want to get it really thin, like a really thin pancake, and you cut that, that's going to take three minutes. But if you, if, you, if you press it, and you don't press down that much, and you're probably an eighth of an inch, it's going to take you about six minutes in the water. Anyway, you can make mm-hmm. you can cut these things into little squares and then load them up with uh, maybe some mozzarella, some oregano, maybe some fresh basil, a little bit of fresh tomato, and then um, just kind of fold it over and use a fork and just kind of compress the edge to where you get that little crimp, okay? And then throw it right in the boiling water, and probably four minutes later, maybe five, uh, there it is. All you need to do is just make some sauce for it. You've got a ravioli. And there Sounds you are. pretty good to me. Did, it was delicious. I did some uh, mushroom ravioli once with Mary Lee. It's really simple to do. It's not hard at all. Yeah, it, well, it's amazing, too, because it's super cheap, okay? And I was surprised at how much pasta I had left over, and I didn't make that much. I made I probably 12 <laughs> ounces, okay, which wasn't a lot of flour. And I only used three, maybe four eggs. And it's just amazing how much, how much you have left over. So I just put that in a little container with a lid. And I'm going to be making more of that tonight. Anyway, you know me. I like to make everything I can uh, from scratch. uh, But this came out much better than I expected. You know, Americans could eat so much more cheaply if they would just do it themselves. And I realize that everyone's pressed for time and all that. But maybe that's not a good thing. But, uh, you know, the difference in going to Trader Joe's and buying some ravioli to drop in a pot and just doing your own is really substantial, you know? Absolutely. The other thing you could do is once you've taken this pasta and you've kind of rolled it out, sprinkle it with Parmesan, give it a light dusting of Parmesan cheese, and then roll it over one more time. And what you're going to find is you're going to find that you have Parmesan-flavored pasta. Pasta, gee, something new for pasta. That works for for, me. uh, For those those, uh, kinds of things. Parmesan flavor anything works for me. Yeah. We had anyway, this salad. What do you, what, what, how does it work for you? We had this salad uh, that went with the redfish kit from the commissary the other day. And um, the, there were just like lots and lots of big nuggets of Parmesan. And it was just really irresistible to just, uh, you know, to nibble on it. Sure. You Good could stuff. also take some fresh spinach, some roasted garlic, and some blue cheese and stuff those little ravioli triangles with that. I don't know if I would like blue cheese and ravioli. It seems kind of strong. I think I think I only had pasta with blue cheese one time. Tom and I used to work uh, when the kids were little. We used to work every year at the school for 
Well, a lot of things, actually. But we did the barbecue booth at the fair. And there was one other thing that we did. And I don't remember what it was. Um, we used to cater the patron party for the for the event. And um, I remember doing a blue cheese cream sauce penne pasta. And, and it had chicken in it. So it was like chicken, maybe it had broccoli, blue cheese, pasta, and in a cream sauce. And it was really good, but it's one of those things that makes a very strong statement. And I'm not sure that I like such a strong statement with my pasta. I'd much rather have like a creamy mushroom or a creamy crawfish sauce or something like that. Sounds good to me so far. Yeah. Marianne, where where, like where have you cheese. been... I like blue cheese. I like blue cheese as much as you like hamburgers and cheese. (laughs) I like blue cheese too, but sometimes, like on a pasta, it's kind of a strong statement. I think, but Mm -hmm. but but blue cheese is not my go-to anyway. So, you know, Mm. it's one of those controversial foods I was talking about yesterday, or the day before. You know, like anchovies, you like it or you don't. Blue cheese, it's not something that you're going to be ambivalent about. You either like it or you don't. Absolutely. Can I give out an award before I go? Wait, what? Can I give out an It's Friday. Can I give out an award before I go? Oh, please do. Yes. I was going to give out the customer service award to Henry. He's obviously polished and provides prompt, courteous service every time I call. (laughs) (laughs) Henry is coated with butter now. How does that feel, Henry? I feel like I'm at the Oscars. It's perfect. <laughs> well, you just won. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you very much. All right. You take care. Bye, Ron. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. I didn't have to give that number to Ron, but I do to you. So five five six nine six nine six. I'll say it again. We'd love to talk to you if you would like to talk to us about food. That's all we do. Tom's been doing it for thirty-two years. Me a little bit less so. Like. A lot less so. But uh, here we are, still still kicking after all this time, just to talk about food, just to give you a respite from all the cloudy, depressing, and downright sometimes scary news out Where'd there. Where'd you find that? We are going to take a, uh, a break, and we'll be back after these messages. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. This is Lenny Minutello, chef owner of the Happy Italian Pizzeria in Harahan, home of the original meat sauce pizza and sesame crusted muffalata calzone. The Happy Italian is serving our new full menu. Dine-in seating is limited. Takeout and curbside is available. Catering is available any day. The Happy Italian Pizzeria in Harahan, open 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Monday for lunch and dinner. Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. for lunch. Find us at HappyItalian.com for info and online orders. Like us on Facebook and love us on your taste buds. Bistro Orleans, it's back with its familiar classic New Orleans cuisine in a casual setting serving only Louisiana oysters and always wild-caught Des Almonds catfish. And the seafood boat, Carnival Time Lounge, has happy hour Wednesday through Friday. 
Bistro Orleans is open daily for lunch at 11, dinner Wednesday through Sunday. Bistro Orleans, 3216 West Esplanade in Metairie, 304-1469. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? Oh, boy. Everyone likes a Gershwin tune and a lot of other tunes, too. 5569696 is the number here on The Food Show. I'm Marianne Fitzmaurice. Tom's when here. You, Hi, Tom. When you, would you want Hi, one? Tom. Because I have a boxes of them. Of Gershwin at tunes? My, yes. As a matter of oh. fact, they're almost all Gershwin. Oh, Gershwin, cool. yeah. That's and they like. are at my radio, uh, my old Your radio old yeah. thing uh, mm-hmm. that has moved on, and, and there's nothing there now. But uh, I still have that original uh in my hands and we've actually done it a few times uh here on this uh program and so uh get you ready for that one because that is a clever clever uh, kind of a way to make your uh, body and that you mind mentioned the old office because um i when we emptied it out um there were three books there were actually several books but some of them were not worth even venturing forward with this but uh, I'm going to I'm going to have them I want to give them away because they're not books I don't really we don't really have any more room for books actually and the ones that are here are ones that I've read already or Tom has read so um, it, it, just a fun little thing if you want a book uh, there are three of them I'm going to get them at the next break and if you tell us something absolutely scintillating you can't be fascinating anymore because Mike is the fascinating gourmet but Scintillating will work if you tell us something, or even just interesting, that would work. We will send it to you. You'll have to give your address to Henry, though. 5569696 is the number. Happy birthday to my father, who would be 102 today, if he hadn't passed away 19 years ago. But uh, that's that's something. Anyway, uh, happy birthday to him, my Irish dad. All right, uh, we have, uh, not Irish, but we have an Italian guest at 3 o'clock today. We are continuing on our little series of examining the influence of the Sicilian Italians on the cuisine of New Orleans. We had, uh, it was kicked off on Monday by um, Colette Mandina from Tony Mandina's, and for her, it was, it's not really so much a thing of the past, you know, ancestors in the old, old country, because they are very involved with their cousins, and they go back and forth, you know, they'll go visit them, they'll come visit here, and um, and they cook together and all that, and that's kind of really nice to hear that they're still doing that. The same is kind of true of a lot of other people. I don't know if that's the case with Peter DiMartino, but he is going to be on with us today at three o'clock. And his ancestors had a stall at the French market back in like 1913. So they don't go back to the 19th century, but that's certainly early early 20th century enough. So uh, we're gonna be talking to him at three o'clock. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk to us, we would very much love to talk to you. I wish I could say that we did some really fantastic uh, meal for lunch, but it was just a little quickie. We ran over to Vera's, and Tom had, you guessed it, oysters, fried oysters, and a baked potato. 
and I watched. don't see those too much. <laughs> what, baked I, potatoes? I have seen them up, uh, uh, occasionally, but I, we almost never see what we had in the afternoon. <clears throat> baked potatoes or oysters? They were potatoes and potatoes and uh, uh, popcorn, not popcorn. It's, popcorn, uh, boy, that <clears throat> popcorn is... Everything comes out popcorn. <laughs> everything. The, uh, That's like a yellow brick road that yeah. ends at popcorn. <laughs> and uh, we always ask the server, uh, you know, what's going on here? And we would uh -huh. always get an answer out of it. And suddenly we have a different perspective of what we're trying to do in our uh, get-together here. Steve As is on we the line. Shall for... we talk to him? Steve is on the line. Let's, t let's talk to Steve. Hi, Steve. Is it, is it okay for me to come Steve, in? Steve, you there? I'm here. Wait, here what? I am. Come on in. <laughs> okay. Steve, you um, there? Okay. I'm here. Uh, oh, I'm getting ready to set for you off on my. I'm getting ready to set off on my kebabs of the USA tour, like stands. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. But but I'm doing it. It's not quite as elegant because I'm using a 1974 Stretch Pinto for my <laughs> RV, and it's called the itty the teeny weeny tahini mobile. <laughs> I love it. I love that actually. Yeah, um, yeah. You know that people are doing that. They're 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 putting these, you know these Amazon vans? Yeah. It's called there's there's actually a website called Van Life. Have you seen this? Uh-uh. V A I to look into it before I get out on the road, man. Yeah, you should. Anyway, people are taking these um whatever they're called, but you see them mostly as Amazon vans, and they uh -huh. are moving into them. And some of them are really cool. I mean, it's just like, I don't know why you would want to live in a closet, even if it's on wheels, but right. power to you. Mm -hmm. Well, this is, you know, like I said, it's a classic 1974 Pinto <laughs> stretch, and it's like five feet longer. And... It's got uh -huh. a, you know, it's, I haven't, I haven't painted it yet, but. Uh -huh. uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not I'm to leaving. interrupt you or anything, but uh, I'm but thinking about you, you. and the, uh, and the times we have had uh, together, the two of us at, at doing this exact thing that we've got going on right now. The, Absolutely. the, uh, the food show. all of the various, uh, uh -huh. you know, cut it off and, and then put it into uh -huh. a. And keep on going and talking and investigating yourself from it's one fun, to another. It's fun, isn't it? It's the food Oh, show. yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. still be doing it after all these years. It's certainly not you do, you do for a money. Keep it up. You're money. not going to be. <laughs> all right. Well, so, Steve, um, yeah. the pint. Go ahead. What? I was just going to say, I will be calling in from all of these different uh -huh. locations where I have kebabs and hummus and baba ganoush and, and all that stuff. And... Well, you it's have to say point. hummus correctly. Oh, hummus. Okay. <laughs> I do that just to annoy Tom. Okay, so, yeah. Steve, I hope your first stop on your tour uh -huh. is Monday, your birthday, and that you're going to take my advice and go to Saj. Well, I'm either going to go there or I'm going to go to uh, Picayune, Mississippi to hummus is, hummus is us, is there. <laughs> That's a, a place in, in Picayune. I might go there first. I don't know, but but we'll see. But I'll be calling y'all and letting you know about this, this tour. Okay. 
I love it. Tom it, Tom doesn't like no, tours, but I do. So Well, this um, one's going to be, you know, well, it kind of also depends on how my Pinto's running, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I'm not as rich as Stan to have a brand new RV, you know, <laughs> but I am, I am taking one of the Goldens with me, so. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so. so you're, so you're, you're channeling Stan. You're taking a dog on a trip. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Okay. I think I'm going to take Gitchy Gitchy Ya Ya. Well, you've, the dog. You, you've been inspired by Stan. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but I'll be calling in from time when I get, a, you know, a, a kebab and the hummus <laughs> and baba ganoush. I will uh, call you and let you know and give you a report on it. I love it. All right. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to be really pushy here. But right, it seems right. to me, if you're having a birthday, especially right. a big one like yours, then you should... <laughs> <laughs> you should get dressed up and go someplace special. Well, I, I don't know up, why, but going to pick you doesn't seem sucks. as glamorous. What? The dressed up part sucks. I'm not into that okay. stuff. But, okay. you know, I well, I might go to someplace kind of glamorous like um, Sal and Judy's, but they're not open. Um uh-huh. Uh, impostadas on the North Shore, but they're not open. You know, it's his damn Monday birthday. Well, balloon, you have to you have know? your favorite kind of food, though. I know. You have to have your favorite kind of food. I, I specifically I know, but going checked all the way Saj to, the, to see if it was open. Uh, to go all the way. Did you ever check in to see if that was open? Yeah, they're open. I specifically checked, yes. On Monday? Yes. Huh. Okay. Well, my now, wife might get mad having to go across the, the lake again. Yeah. That day. Do it now. But but you have to promise me this. Despite me being a nearly infallible resource, <laughs> I don't want you to just go without calling the day of. Because yeah, Google yeah, is not an infallible resource and has proven well, that just, many times to us in the last six months. What? You're nearly infallible. Well, I'm a part-time genius. So, you know, <laughs> I understand that nearly so I think you should. I think you should go, but I think you should check because they are open on Monday, according to... Yeah. And I, I call. I don't know so. if I'm going to be able to talk my wife into driving back across the lake on Monday, but I'll try. What's your birthday for crying out loud? Yeah, I know, but I have one of those every freaking year. It's amazing. <laughs> and every right. time we find out how old you are, you get, like, older. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, And when's you your will. birthday? December 7th. How old are you going to be? I told you. Oh, that's right. You. 30. 30. Yeah. I told you. How long have you been married? <sighs> Let's see. Coming up on 31 years. No, 32 years. It just years. doesn't compute. It just doesn't make <laughs> sense. I don't understand. I guess it's above my Well, you're rate. a genius, so you should work on that, okay? I'll, I'll, part-time, though. Only part-time go. genius. Okay. Well, There's work on it when pressure. you're on. Okay. Okay. Later. All right. Happy birthday. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. 
556-9696 is the number. If you want to talk to us, that's what we're doing. We're talking, just talking, blathering, actually, about food, which is what we do every single day here from 2 to 4. And uh, we would love to do it with you today. We have Peter DiMartino coming up at 3 o'clock. In between now and then, we're going to talk about not much of anything at all, except it has to do with food. We don't even really have a, a good... Oh, oh, we do have something to talk about. Last night... After the show, we uh, took the redfish kits or the redfish kit from the commissary and I followed the instructions and we had the redfish dinner from Dickie Brennan commissary. Did you like the redfish, Tom? Uh, the redfish at where? At yeah, King last Dickies? night here, here, right here last night on your plate. I cooked the redfish from the commissary. I put it on a pan and the compound butter melted all over it and it was supposed to be bronzed redfish. And then I served you a piece of bronzed redfish with some buttery crab boil red potatoes and a salad. And you liked it. I have decided I have an announcement to make, not that anyone cares at all, including me, but I don't like redfish. I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I know I'm supposed to, but I just, I'm, I'm unmoved by redfish. You know why? Because it's too thick. Every piece of redfish I get is too thick. And you can have thick fish, but it's gotta be something really spectacular and it's gotta be crusty like salmon. I can do salmon if it's thick, and it's usually always thick. We are going to be back after the bottom of the hour news time, or bottom of the hour news from the Louisiana Radio Network with lots more food blathering. Call us, will you? 556-9696. Louisiana Radio Network. I'm Brooke Thorrington. State police are investigating a LaSalle Parish Sheriff's Office deputy-involved shooting that happened last night in Whitehall. State police say deputies attempted to serve a felony warrant for 29-year-old Jesse Hudnall. Hudnall fled to a residence and barricaded himself inside. Gunfire was exchanged. Hudnall was later pronounced dead and a deputy also sustained injuries. Many central Louisiana Suddenlink customers still don't have internet, phone, and TV service over a month after Hurricane Laura struck. Pineville Representative Mike Johnson says he's getting bombarded by frustrated constituents whose kids can't take their online classes and even medical clinics who can't receive records. There's still no ETA from the company on exactly when those services will be back, so Johnson says they're considering forcing the company's hand. Possibility of including them in in Public Service Commission and implementing all enforcement mechanisms within the Attorney General and the Secretary of State. Sudden Link reports 90% of Senlock customers are back online, but Johnson disagreed with the estimate. I'm Matt Doyle. LRN. This is Secretary of State Kyle Ardwin. COVID-19 has altered the way we do elections this year. And while Hurricane Laura may have ravaged our state, it will not break our spirit. Our office is working around the clock with state and local partners to bring early voting sites and election day polling locations back online. For Louisianans displaced by Hurricane Laura, you can exercise your right to vote this fall. Displaced voters have the option to vote early, vote on election day, or vote absentee. If you are unregistered, there is still time to register at either your current address, temporary residence, 
residence or the home from which you evacuated. To address COVID-19 concerns, we will take every sanitary precaution necessary to ensure voters can safely cast their votes. This includes mandating personal protective equipment for poll workers and making masks available for voters who want one. Voting machines will be sanitized between uses and social distancing will be enforced. If you have questions about the November 3rd presidential election, visit GoVote.com or call our election information hotline at 1-800-883-2805. I remember the day when someone at the radio station brought me a bottle of Cousin's salad dressing. It was made by a young couple in small batches, and it was delicious. I was proud to have them sponsor my show just as I am now, but the line has expanded since then to include an olive oil, an herb vinaigrette, fresh salsa, and blue cheese, as well as an original Creole tomato, a delicious dressing that also makes a great quick dip. Cousin's Salad Dressings, in the produce section at your favorite store, CousinsProducts.com. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. Yes, indeed. Who wouldn't? Well, me, but anyway. 5569696 is the number if you would like to chat. We are here to do that with you. We're talking about food until Peter DiMartino calls us at 3 o'clock. And then we will talk about Italian food with him and its influence on the cuisine of New Orleans. Today in 1926, Henry Ford announced that the workers in his plant would begin working a five-day week of eight-hour days. That event is often noted as the beginning of the consumer economy in America. Many firms followed suit. Workers who'd previously had little free time before suddenly had not only leisure time, but some money to spend on it. One of the things they bought was Ford automobiles. They also spent some of it in restaurants. It's no surprise that the next decade and a half was a time of great expansion for the restaurant business in New Orleans and elsewhere. I'm trying to think of how you could even say that um, if you're talking about 1926, so you're talking about to 1940, the restaurants in New Orleans at that time were just the Grand Dames. So, I mean, I'm trying to think, um, there's Crescent City that was around since 1934. There's a few of them scattered here and there that you remember as being around at that time. But for the most part, I would say that um, a lot of the restaurants that were there then have probably gone. And of course, others have come in their place. But it's no, it's no secret that the restaurant business is a very... Um, well, it's, it's certainly a fluid business, that's for sure, but it's also a very good business. Otherwise, people wouldn't be getting into it every day. And, and I know that um, some restaurants struggle and others do not. It's always a question as to why some struggle and others don't. And I'm continually surprised when I go into a place that I don't think is very good and it's packed and I go into another place that I think is, well, obviously it means that other people don't agree with me. I mean, I guess that's what it is. Anyway, a fleur de sel, that is French and it means flower of salt. That's a good description of the salt crystals that form when the salt water off the coast of Northern France notably in Brittany, is evaporated. The crystals are made not only of salt, but also other minerals in the water. Sometimes a kind of pink algae that can live in brine is also present in the final product. All of these impurities add flavor, complexity, and expense to fleur de sel. 
You'd use it more to season food at the table than in recipes requiring a teaspoon of salt in a quart of water, say. It's ironic that the goal of salt makers for millennia was to produce pure salt. Fleur de sel and other gourmet varieties of salt are distinguished by their impurities. Now, that's an interesting question because we were talking just briefly about salt, I don't know, a couple of days ago. Oh, with Nicole. I think I think we were talking with Nicole yesterday about Himalayan sea salt or pink salt. And uh, I don't... I don't ever use a gourmet salt, well, obviously, but um, do you do you like particularly a certain kind of salt? If you do, I'd like to hear from you. I don't think of salt as a gourmet item, but it certainly is. There's a place up in Covington called Tessier Gourmet, and they actually have, it's, it's like a prepared foods place. You can't eat there. You just take it out. And um, there's a, a wall of salt from all over the world. It's sourced from all over the world. And I'd be really kind of curious to, I would really be kind of curious to um, test things, to have like a, a taste test of salt and see if you put it in something, if you can actually tell that much difference, or even if you salted it right before you ate something, would it be that distinguishable uh, if it was a gourmet salt? I'm curious, does anybody else use really gourmet salt? I know that, I know that kosher salt came out a number of years ago, and sea salt, of course, and I use sea salt, and I, eat kosher salt mainly in restaurants, but I don't pay much attention to it. And, and I'm wondering if, if that's just me or if most people are content to just have salt, you know, like Morton iodized salt. I'll tell you this, iodine is really important. I, I went off of it for a while and uh, I, think, I think it had like a, a negative effect on me. Anyway, and I, 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 as a matter of fact, there's definitely been a change in my body. I think I, I wound up with a thyroid cyst, and I kind of feel like that's what it was. But anyway, I think it is important to have salt. So if you like gourmet salt, give me a call. I would like to hear what kind of gourmet salt you use, and have you actually done any like taste test to find out which one you prefer and which one you use as a result of that? So I started talking about um, what we did yesterday after the show, and then we went into a break, so I'll, I'll finish on that. But we had this kit from the commissary, and it was two redfish, two pieces of redfish. I guess you would call that filet. But they were kind of thick. They were like half an inch. And um, they came with compound butter, cryovac'd, and then we had a salad, which was kale and some other assorted greens, but mostly kale. And there was a really good kind of dressing, and all these were packaged separately. The huge pile of crumbled Parmesan and 
a bunch of spiced pecans. And by spiced, I mean spiced kind of maybe with crab oil too. I don't get that, but anyway. And some potatoes that were red potatoes with crab oil. You know, I've seen the red potato with crab oil thing, and I feel like it's, it's not new anymore. So what it had going for it mostly was the novelty and the newness of it. And now that it's not new anymore, I don't understand the point of it. But anyway, uh, you put the potatoes in, very specific instructions on what to do. You put the redfish in, then you put the potatoes in at a certain time after the redfish has been cooking. And um, you toss the salad in the meantime. So um, there was also a dessert that came with this, which was pretty great, I have to say. It was the, um, it was like a chocolate cream pie, but it was only a portion for two. And it had a, like a, an Oreo cookie crust on it. It was good. That was actually really, really good. And it was more like a, it was more like a pudding, which I've decided I'm not really crazy about, but this was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. It didn't make it to dinner. It, it was consumed the first day that it came in the house, which was like two days ago. So we put, I put the redfish in the oven and I um, just let it get that bronze color that it's supposed to get. And then the potatoes came out and the salad dressing on the kale was, I guess, kind of a, maybe a vinaigrette. I was a little worried by its look that it might be an Asian dressing, which I definitely was not going to be looking forward to, or might, maybe a ginger dressing or something, but it was pretty much like a vinaigrette, but it was a thick, thick vinaigrette. And, um, I tossed it and the, the kale was the kale that you get in the store, I guess must be like older kale. And by that, I don't mean kale that's not good. I just mean kale that's been allowed to grow longer than this kale that we had in the salad from the commissary. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it was baby kale. And it was not, it was not horribly offensive. I'm definitely not a kale person, but um, it was, you know, it was kale. And I don't, I don't get kale. I don't understand kale. And I don't, definitely don't understand the popularity of kale. But uh, it was good enough. I mean, it was $45 for two people. Personally, I think the fish was enough where you could have had just like one in there and split it in half. But um, so we have a, a bunch of red fish left because, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really, I, I'm not a red fish person. I'm now going to say without fail i'm not a redfish person the only place that i do like redfish is at impostados where it's covered with mushrooms and artichokes and crab meat and other things like that so you can kind of put up with it but i know i'm alone in that or in a very small minority of people who are not crazy about redfish because redfish is what we eat here who is that? I, I, I just love when I get a lot of calls during the show. Love it. Hello. <laughs> no, we're not we're not taking the call. Five five six Why nine not? six nine six because we're on a radio show, Tom. We are on yes. a radio show. Yeah. That's just so what we're doing. We, should we take the call from someone having to do probably with with pests? By pests I mean powder post beetles which are supposedly eating our house i'm not happy about that 
Uh, Tom, your words to eat by today. A soup so thick you could shake it, shake its hand and stroll with it before dinner. Um, <laughs> this was said about New Orleans turtle soup by Robert Crawford, who's a British writer. Is, is turtle soup something that's so thick? Oh, I never very eat much soup. loved. Yeah, but is it really, really, really thick? I mean, I never really pay much attention to it. No. Is, it's not really thick? It's really I mean, it thick and be. it's really good. Okay, yeah. Words to drink by today. Whenever someone asks me if I want water with my scotch, I say I'm thirsty, not dirty. Joe E. Lewis was an abrasive stand-up comedian of the 50s and 60s. Scotch. I guess the people of that era that were drinking drank scotch by itself and bourbon by itself and whiskey, I guess, in the days when people drank before dinner, like they do on TV from the 50s. That was not my house at all. No, no not at all. Five five six nine six nine six. Give us a call. We'd like to talk to you about food. We have Peter DiMartino coming up at three o'clock, and we'll be right back. Parish Coffee is a small batch, handcrafted blend of carefully selected Central and South American beans, skillfully roasted to produce a coffee that is aromatic when you open the bag, robust when it's brewed, and very smooth and mellow when you drink it. This is a coffee that will take you through the day, a gourmet roast without the gourmet price. Pick up a bag where you shop or go to parishcoffee.com and see the full line. Parish Coffee. Hashtag wake up to parish. Care Restaurant and Supply has reopened for you to come in and shop. Care has all the wipes, gloves, and sanitizing supplies that you may need, and face masks. They have a great selection of takeout containers, too. Call Billy to help you plan the renovation of your kitchen or dining room. Home Cooks will find a great selection of kitchen tools, too. Hours are 8 to 4 weekdays right now. Buy local. Our city depends on it. Care, hotel, and restaurant supply. Call 482-0294, 4815 Conti Street. Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180, with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now, this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home, and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's, 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. Night and day, you are the one. Yes, indeed. Five five six nine six nine six is the number if you want to talk to us. We'd love to do that with you. If you would like a book and want to tell us something really fascinating today, um, we would love to hear it. Um, it. The book that I'm looking at is a book that I had a guy from... I'm trying to think of where he originated from. I want to say someplace really boring, you know, Minnesota or something. And then he moved down here. And he um, has written a lot of really random kind of things. But the book that he uh, brought to me, I actually had him on when I was sitting in for Tom as a guest host one day. His name is Denver Nix. 
Denver Nix. And the book is called Hot Sauce Nation. And it's a really good book about um, the chemical properties. And it's got a lot of interesting stories in it, too. He's a good writer, and it's a fun book. And um, it's it came from the office, and we're not going to keep it. I'm going to give it to someone if you would like to... to uh, tell me something really good I'll mail it to you but hot sauce nation is about uh, it's it's where we talked about things like like capsaicin or I'm trying I'm still not even sure if I'm saying that right why won't you help me but um, it's if really it's so important it's it's really a good book it's a fascinating book and uh, and I would like to give it to someone who is interested in peppers because that's what it's about. I'd like to. We go also out have too. another one called "A Hundred Things to Do in New Orleans Before You Die." So I'll give you a choice if you call up with something really interesting. Hundred things to do in New Orleans before you die. These are books that came from Tom's uh, his office, and uh, they're you know we've read them so. You know, if you would like to have them. There's one that's really kind of peculiar, but also interesting looking. It's called Continued Surveillance, Mostly True Stories of the Wine Business. And there's a, there's a picture on the cover of a guy who's got a camera, and he's peering into a window. And um, I, 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 you know, I, I haven't read that one, and I might, I might be interested in reading that one because it looks kind of... Looks kind of lurid, let's say. Five five six nine six nine six. If you want to talk to us, we would love to talk to you. The Second Battle of Champagne began today, in nineteen fifteen. The French attacked the German-occupied wine country and fought for a month and a half. It resulted in a tremendous, useless loss of men and machinery of the kind for which World War One was infamous. The French wind up losing all the ground they gained shortly after. Ah, yes. Battles and battles and battles. Today, in 1974, a report came out identifying Freon, then used as a propellant in aerosol cans, as responsible for much depletion of the atmosphere's ozone layers. A movement to stop using the stuff for that purpose began. It gave us all a reason, as if taste weren't already enough to stop eating aerosol cheese, <laughs> whipped cream, and other foods would be better off making ourselves. But Tom, you know what happened? No, what? They, they Tell just me. wound up making, what was the, what's the, what's the whipped cream that's not whipped cream and it comes in a tub? Whipped cream? It's not, it's not Miracle Whip, that's, that's a mayonnaise. Thank you, Henry, Cool Whip. So I guess that's when Cool Whip was Well, born. no, that's it. Because uh, mayonnaise, you can't really make. You could, but you wouldn't get anything no. like what you're describing. No, but uh, I, I don't think there's anything really wrong. <laughs> I know, I've already said I'm not a gourmet. So uh, I don't think there's anything really wrong with aerosol cheese, though. Okay. On a Ritz cracker, it's, it's kind of not bad, I have to say. It's pretty, it's pretty um, sharp cheddar. So um, whipped cream and other foods that we're better off making ourselves. The good news in recent years is the ozone layer over um, Antarctica has diminished in size, which means that the banning of CFCs has helped. Let's go to Sal. Oh, Sam. Okay. Hi, Sam. Um, I came from the, I don't get out 
I've been under pretty heavy quarantine since March, mm. but I don't oh, get wow. out very often. And I went to the gro- I had to go to the doctor this morning, so I stopped at the grocery store. And I, uh, hearing uh, Miss Dornack each Thursday mm-hmm. uh, made me start to appreciate what I'm seeing in the in the grocery store and mm-hmm. seeing uh, comparing what we have here in Mississippi compared to what she has in her stores. And um, so I looked, just, I don't drink coffee, but mm-hmm. I looked and we, we didn't have union coffee, or, nor did we have parish coffee, which I'm sorry. I, 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 like, I wanted to get some parish coffee for my sister. You should try. get some parish coffee, yes. And It's a gourmet coffee for half the price of those fancy, fancy gourmet coffees. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. And then I... Uh, now, a few months ago, I noticed, I didn't, I didn't realize this, but we can, we can now get an olive salad in a jar, which before, I don't think we were, that was available to us here in Mississippi, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I noticed several kinds of it uh, several, several months ago. And I also today noticed some, I noticed two brands of ketchup, which I don't, I don't eat ketchup either. But mm-hmm. it was sugar-free ketchup, which I had never mm-hmm. heard of. Yeah, it, uh-huh. which it, sort of defeats the purpose, maybe, huh? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess if you like ketchup, and you—it's pretty uh, sugary. Work, it's pretty sugary. And I'm oh, okay. I'm diabetic, but uh, I don't, I don't eat ketchups. But uh, I, I guess if I uh, did eat it, I would get one of those two brands. And mm-hmm. one of the brands was a, uh, it was made up north, and. Um, uh, had a black man's face on it, and he had um, another product. I think it was a barbecue sauce that was sugar-free, mm-hmm. also. It was, but it was it wasn't uh, southern. Mm-hmm. And then I, I noticed Heinz had uh, sugar-free ketchup, also. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think that I the reason that I asked Nicole to start doing that, and I've said this many times on the show, is that you take things for granted, and then things change, and you're able to start seeing things that you didn't see before. So. I started thinking about what it must be like to have to be at the grocery store at three o'clock in the morning to meet the truck to put things on the shelves for people like me who didn't think anything of that before, you know? Yes, ma'am. And so, and so that's why we have her come on. And I think her reports are really, really interesting. She takes a lot of trouble to find out all of these things and to sleuth it out and and to uh, be really informed about what's going on. And I find this whole supply chain thing really kind of interesting. So I'm glad that you appreciate it. You should tell your grocer, wherever you are, where are you in Mississippi? This is, this is in Jackson today. Oh, Jackson. Oh, so wow, you did drive in. Um, oh, I was going to say you should tell your grocer in Jackson to get Parish coffee. I, I will. Because um, it's I'll a good coffee. You. Yeah, yes, it's a good coffee. Now, I hope, I hope I can qualify for one of the books. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, what book would you like to have? I just the said, well, one, the to do with New Orleans. Oh, okay. Well, look, tell Henry, tell Henry uh, when you uh, don't hang up, just wait until, you know, we take you off the air and give your address to Henry and I'll put it in the mail. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, it's, it gives you something I'm to really do in quarantine. Sounds like you've been... Okay, I, take care. I'm at Thanks. home all Bye-bye. the time. I listen to you every day. Bye.
Oh, good. Thank you. Bye. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you would like to talk to us, we would love to talk to you. That's what we do. Just talk about food. I am so popular through this show, obviously. So I, I'm I'm just thinking that he called just out of the blue because he wanted to talk, but he really wanted a book, which is fine because I would love to give these books away. So, um, if you would like to talk about anything, we would love to hear from you. I'm looking at this one myself because uh, one of them is the Jane and Michael Stern book it's called uh eat your way across the usa jane and michael stern rose to prominence they're two writers that were married for a long time curiously they're not married anymore but uh they still work together and one of them is remarried but they were married for a long time and they were um traveling around the country in a car maybe that's why they're not married anymore it is what it is (laughs) You're stuck in the same car with the same person over and over again all day long. That would do it. But um, they did the book Roadkill. Tom, do you remember the book Roadkill? No. We have it on the shelf here. We do? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's let's up, go. It's up there somewhere. Anyway, it's um, no, it wasn't Roadkill. It was Road Food. That's what it was. Or, or was it Roadkill? I'm not sure. I'll have to look maybe at the break. Oh, just let it go and but let's, it was, it let's was, go out, a bunch of us. It was and, a fun book. And uh, do yeah, some, have some fun. Yeah. Because I uh, need uh, yeah, some more yeah. shoes. Yeah. So anyway, um, it was a really fun uh, book. And it had like some armadillo on the cover. Anyway, they did a series of these. And this one was um, a, definitely a sequel to that. And it's just like sections of the country and a little blurb about each place that they went and it's called eat your way across the usa so i'm not sure i'm not sure if i'm offering this one yet because they have some um they have some recipes at certain places too and i haven't really looked at this one myself yet so maybe i'll maybe i'll look at this one and then i'll i'll offer it a little bit later but i do have this other one about the um about the peppers, which is really good and really fun. And if you like peppers, then you would like the book. And it's called uh, Hot Sauce Nation, America's Burning Obsession by Denver Nix. And he talks about he talks about these contests where people eat so many peppers that it burns all the way down, like like actually burns, which is something that I don't understand at all. But there are people who really, really dig that. <clears throat> I am... Um, I'm sort of a spice weenie, as our daughter likes to say. Don't give me something really, really, really too spicy. Uh, let's see. The annals of stadium eating since we're back into the football season. After being closed for over a year to repair damages caused by Hurricane Katrina and the people who evacuated inside, the Louisiana Superdome reopened today in 2006 and another opportunity to institute the vending of edible food in the big bowl was lost (laughs) so tom you're not into the stadium food at the superdome huh you're not into stadium you're not into stadiums period i mean you know you've i think the only stadium you've probably ever been in is zephyr's field and only because we went with the cub scouts right who is this you what did they do you are not into stadium food. This was the Superdome reopening today in 2006, and you were, 
you were talking about the stadium food uh, and the fact that they reopened and they lost another opportunity to have decent food. You know, the bottom line with that, Tom, is that people who go to stadiums are there for sports and they don't actually care much about the food because it's just something to do while they're watching the game. This is something that you don't understand because you're not into all that. Yeah. But um, I'm, a, I'm a guy into one and two. Into uh, food. Counts into the Superdome because that's, you know, you want to do um, food. That's what you're, that's about it. But you know, you did like is. the Zephyr's food sometimes when we went there. We went with you the need, scouts. We went with the scouts uh, and we went to some baseball things and that was not bad. I thought the food there, it was Messina's who was catering that and that's a good place. So that figures that it wasn't it wasn't bad it's probably the top line of the food i haven't been to any other stadiums that'd be kind of interesting that's somebody ought to do a book about that uh top of the hour news time three o'clock we'll be back with peter martino d martino join me mitch gibbs every monday and wednesday live at noon for new orleans today on wgso 990 a.m new orleans louisiana American unemployment rate in the history of our country. Uh, six months ago, we're building it up again. You know, make America great again. We now say now, make America great again again. President Trump also holding a rally in Virginia on Friday. Late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the first woman and the first Jewish person to lie in state at the Capitol. Rabbi Lauren Holzenblatt describes a conversation Ginsburg once had with Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman appointed to the Supreme Court. Because the route was not open to us, we had to find another way and both end up on the United States Supreme Court. You're listening to USA Radio News. Our world has changed, which means our every day has changed too. We work differently, shop differently, and celebrate differently. But what hasn't changed is the need to keep our community safe by reporting terrorism-related suspicious activity to local authorities. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security's If You See Something, Say Something campaign program manager, Ryan Streeter, shares more. It's vital we all remain vigilant and are motivated to act. If you see suspicious activity, report it to the nearest local law enforcement agency or a person of authority. Authority. Describe specifically what and who you observed, as well as when, where, and why you found it suspicious. September 25th marks the third annual national If You See Something, Say Something Awareness Day. We want to remind the public that we all play a role in keeping our community safe. Learn the indicators of terrorism-related suspicious activity, and on September 25th, share why you see say using hashtag why I see say. Learn more at dhs.gov slash day. President Trump will announce his pick to replace the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg at 5 o'clock Eastern Time on Saturday. The president is expected to nominate a conservative woman to replace Ginsburg, who was a liberal lion. Democrats believe the Supreme Court vacancy should not be filled until after the November 3rd election. Republican Senator from Colorado Cory Gardner, though, tells Fox News, well, only Democrats uh, seem to think on the far left that filling a constitutional role uh, is an illegitimate function of the United States Senate. Uh, look, I don't think any time you place a justice on the same Supreme Court who is going to uphold the law, who is going to follow the Constitution, uh, that is a good thing for the country. That's what we need. Former congressman and presidential candidate Ron Paul is in the hospital. Paul was in the middle of his YouTube broadcast when he became ill. 
Paul's speech began to slur and the feed was cut short. You're listening to USA Radio News. Working from home? I'm Chad Dodd, veterinarian and consultant to Limp Bells. Here are some tips for keeping your dog fit while staying at home. Find 15 minutes twice a day and walk your pet at a decent pace around your place. Play hide-and-seek by hiding some kibble or favorite toys and letting your dog find them. If you have stairs and your dog is mobile, walk up and down twice a day for 5 to 10 minutes. Or better yet, try a power walk on your terrace or backyard for some fresh air. There are more helpful pet care tips at youmove.com, spelled Y-U-Move.com. Former NBA star Charles Barkley is blasting the idea that funding be cut off for law enforcement, adding that it would put black people at greater risk. Barkley also saying tongue-in-cheek regarding defunding police. Who are black people supposed to call the Ghostbusters when we have a crime in our neighborhood? Danny Colson is a former deputy assistant director of the FBI. He believes... If you destabilize the police and defund them, then what you're going to have ultimately is... Uh, nature doesn't like voids, and they will fill a void, and that's where vigilance. Tomorrow, we're getting back to some sunny skies, finally. Tomorrow, a beautiful-looking day with pretty low humidity and nice afternoon temperatures under sunny skies. Early morning, we'll start off in the 60s, and the highs go to lower 80s. Sunshine to partly cloudy Saturday, a bit more humid with the afternoon of the lower to middle 80s. And the humidity may touch off a thunderstorm or shower. Partly sunny skies on Sunday afternoon. Fronts coming through next week will bring down some nice touch of fall-like weather. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. CDC is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of a novel or new coronavirus. There are steps you can take now to get ready if an outbreak occurs in your community. Make a household plan. Older adults and people with chronic medical conditions are at greater risk. Take extra steps to protect them. Think about what you will do if there are changes to your work schedule. Practice good health habits, such as frequently washing hands with soap and water, staying home when sick, and covering coughs and sneezes. For more information, visit CDC. We are back with the second edition of the food show. We have Peter DiMartino on the line with us, and he is going to talk about the Sicilian influence into the culinary culture of New Orleans. His family's been around for a very long time, and uh, it's been quite a trajectory for him. He has the business DiMartino's Muffaladas. He has three locations, and we're going to start way back with the family coming. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Hi, Peter. Hey, how's everyone today? Everybody's good, thanks. Uh, so you, you you told me that you were um, in the stalls. Let's let's yeah. go back to who came and, and where they came from. Let's go all the way back to the arrival on these shores with your family. Yeah, well, my grandfather, along, in fact, both of my grandfathers, um, uh, especially my, on my mother's side, operated uh, in the Ewing Market, which was a public market. And a lot of people don't realize that there were, uh, they, they know about the French market and how the vendors uh, drove their trucks and rented a stall and then uh, sold their produce, fish, uh, vegetables uh, to vendors. And... Um, they, uh, they paid a fee to do that. Well, they don't realize that the French market was the most popular, but there were 32 other markets. And a couple of them were uh, the St. Rock Market, and a lot of people know that, yeah. and also mm-hmm. the Circle Food Store on St. Bernard Avenue. 
and Claiborne. So there were public markets all over the city, and the city uh, controlled the distribution, uh, the food distribution in the city by uh, building these uh, markets and uh, renting them to private uh, individuals that set up shop and sold their, their vegetables and their, their uh, seafood and meats. So, Who um, was in those markets? Was it mostly Italian families, or were there people from all over the place? I think it was. I'm not sure exactly what the percentages were, but there were a lot of Italians that were in the markets, especially in the French market, mm-hmm. because we know that the French market was um, sort of like a little Italy at that time, especially since mm-hmm. there were yeah, so well, many were, Italians coming. They were calling it the Italian Quarter at one point. I know. Yeah. So yeah. So your 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 people, as the Sicilians like to say, your people came from where exactly? Well, my mom's side came from uh, Rocamania, Sicily, and my dad's side came from um, Contessa and Tolina. And they have a huge population of people that came from Contessa in New Orleans. Is that is that Sicily also? Yeah, and you know uh-huh. it's funny because. Uh, many times people say, well, my family came from uh, Palermo. But in actuality, most most of the people that came, came from an 80-mile stretch, sort of like from here to Baton Rouge, surrounding Palermo, and they launched mm-hmm. out of Palermo. So yeah, yeah. many times uh-huh. it, it's not where they came from, it's where they launched out of. Right, right. That's the same thing with the Irish people. Like, my my family is traced to Cork, but that's not where they're from. At least I don't think so. I have to. I, have, I want to dig into that. But they launched from Cork, yes. So that's apparently that's the way it was all over Europe when they were coming here. So you had your your grandparents came from the old country together, and then this is your dad or your mom's family that had the market. My mom's family, and I, I wanted to tell you something that's kind of funny. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side married. Uh, she, he came with um, his wife, and when she passed away and died, he wrote back or went back to Sicily, I'm not sure, and said, send Phyllis over, and he married her. And <laughs> so, it, Is that the sister? That was the sister of uh-huh. uh, his okay. first wife. Uh-huh. Okay. See? That's crazy. Uh, well, were they married very long? Or, I mean, the first wife, were they I know not they married? Had, they had one child, and, uh-huh. and then they had the other five children uh, after that. So it, it couldn't have been uh-huh. too long. But uh-huh. uh, they're the ones that had the stall in the Ewing Market. And the Ewing Market was named after David Ewing, a former councilman in that area. And many mm-hmm. of the, store, the, the markets were named for the local area, like the St. Rock Market and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the city rented these stalls, and um, what happened was that um, they, they, they kind of uh, went by the wayside because, you know, there was a, a payola involved and who would get the best stalls, and then there were sanitation problems in the stalls. Even back and, then, huh? Yeah, it was the, it's the same as what it is now. Uh-huh. So the city eventually sold these markets, and um, my dad... Uh, eventually bought one, and he mm-hmm. kept the name of the Ewing Market. That particular market now is on the, on the corner of Octavian Magazine. It's, it's 5,000 square feet. It was, when he had it, he called it Ewing Supermarket, and he inherited the business that was 
that had come that was formerly in the public market, so he had a thriving business, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, he bought the property. But he and he stayed in business for about uh, we stayed until nine, from 1947 to 1978. Now he oh, wow. passed away in 19, he, he passed away in 1970, but um, at that time the big stores were coming in. And they were crushing the little the little stores, mm-hmm. and um, our store was considered a supermarket because it was five thousand square feet. At that time, the average uh, private market or or um, other markets were only about eight hundred to a thousand square feet. Oh, wow. So we we had mm-hmm. one of the biggest stores in the city at the time, and um, a lot. What of was people- your dad's secret to being that successful? Did he know something that other people didn't know, or was he just more of a, an entrepreneur? Do you do you know? I think the secret of success in that generation was hard work. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think the people that that uh, made it even bigger than my father were people that understood that not only was the secret of success hard work, but it was also being, you know, at the right place at the right yeah, time. Right. It was mm-hmm. smarts. It was a lot of things. And the secret of success even today, um, hard work is only one part of the yeah. formula. Sure. It's, it's always, but, but um, you know, there were, it, the people were concentrated in the neighborhoods. So if you had a good location, without an automobile, you walked five or six blocks to the, to the closest store. Mm-hmm. Well, when the big stores came in, the people think that the big stores put the little stores out of business, but it was the combination of the big stores and the automobile that brought the, the, the consumer out of the neighborhood mm-hmm. into the big stores. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was kind of an outing because they had, a, um, they had air condition, they had uh, a better variety, maybe two or, two or three or four types of peas where we had mm-hmm. maybe one. So, mm-hmm. uh, and they also brought in self-service meat and Prior to the self-service meat, the um, the butchers cut everything up, and people had a job, and their occupation was a butcher, unlike today. And it's funny because we we kind of going back to where we're cutting meat, um, yeah, uh-huh. in the store now. So it's kind of gone full circle. It's called now. artisan now. <laughs> yeah, we're going yeah. back to those things and calling it artisan. So your dad was more of a market person and not so much a restaurant person. So how correct, did correct. how did how did the jump occur to the restaurant business? Well, the one thing my my dad was the pro, uh, an ex produce man. My dad was raised in the French Quarter, mm-hmm. and um, he was he was an ex produce manager at Solari's. And mm-hmm. many people know about Solari's. It was a gourmet supermarket uh, in the quarter, and uh, they sold things from all over the world. Well, he saw quality, and he sold quality. He knew that the that one of the secrets that he, and the and secrets of his success would be sell, selling quality merchandise. Now, he didn't sell some of the quality that we have now because obviously people eat higher quality than they did, than they did back then. Yeah, right. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, but he always had, it was, took pride in his, um, in his produce stands. He took pride in the meat, making it look right, making it look pretty. And mm-hmm. that, to me, stuck in my head. To sell quality merchandise. And, okay, stop right there because we have to take a break. We're up against a hard break. I okay. want because I want I want you to go from from the market to the 
to the um, the restaurant. But I also want to ask you, I want to come back and talk for a minute about Solari's before you continue your story, because it's kind of a mythical place. And, and I would like to ask a few questions about it. All right, we'll be back. 5569696 is the number. We are continuing our Italian, I should say Sicilian-American Influence on New Orleans Food Series. This is Peter DiMartino of DiMartino's Restaurants. He's famous for his muffaladas, but he's branching out. We're going to talk about the present-day DiMartino's later in this interview. We'll be right back. Bistro Orleans, it's back with its familiar classic New Orleans cuisine in a casual setting serving only Louisiana oysters and always wild-caught Desalman's catfish. And the seafood boat, Carnival Time Lounge, has happy hour Wednesday through Friday. Bistro Orleans is open daily for lunch at 11, dinner Wednesday through Sunday. Bistro Orleans, 3216 West Esplanade in Metairie, 304 1469. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Mimi's is the best restaurant that has ever been in St. Bernard Parish. A magic combination of terrific owner, hospitality, and talented chef combined with a charming atmosphere to offer you a great dining experience. Don't miss oysters here. They have two or three different kinds, all wonderful. A terrific burger, if you must. Great steaks, too. Thursday is steak night. Mimi's 712 Judge Perez in Chalmette, 644-4992. Mimi's Bar and Grill.com. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings, and lots of things are seldom what they seem. Just want to mention that on October 5th, Mimi's is having an opening dinner to introduce their new chef, Philip Buccieri. So give them a call down there. They've got three different seatings and a little openings in each one. But call them soon because they are filling up. 5569696 is the number if you would like to talk to our guest, Peter DiMartino who is uh, tracing his family's roots as they arrived on these shores and how it's evolved into DiMartino's. All right, but first let me, let me interject something about Solari's. So did you ever go to Solari's, Peter? No, I, I, I never did. I think I was too young. I think it closed or it, it wasn't something that we did. My dad okay. was too busy running the, uh, the uh, supermarket. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but I, I'm, I'm just, so everybody talks about Solari's, but I, I don't know anyone who's actually been to Solari's and I would love to hear about it because apparently it was, it was quite gourmet, certainly for its time. It sounds like it's more like a place that would be modern day uh, than back then. All right. So your dad taught you the value of hard work and how to make things presentable. He was, you said, a produce manager, so he valued the way things are presented and how they complement each other. And so you watched, right? Yeah, I, I started working at my dad's store. I mean, you know, you talk about the Italians. Uh, I started working at seven years old, 
and uh, mm-hmm. that yeah. was kind of typical. And, yeah, uh, right. I would come home from school and uh, and work in the family business, like a lot of Italian families. So um, yeah, and and he was very proud of his work, and that kind of stuck. And hard work was the order of the day. Well, also you all loved what you were doing, right? I mean, it's it was. I mean, I'm assuming that is that. Is that correct? I know you do right now, but I don't know what the work ethic slash pleasure component was back in the day. I think our parents worked hard and didn't really think so much about how much fun they were having. They were just sort of grinders. Yeah, that was how it was with us. And I can tell you that my brother, my sister, my mom, my my dad, and a few people that worked for us, uh, we did the work of five times the people that we were. Mm Mm-hmm. We never yeah. asked why, or we never uh, questioned anything. We just worked, and that it was work just ethic, what you did. Yeah, yeah that, yeah, that work ethic helped me out when I did open my first restaurant in 1975. Okay, so your dad was your dad had passed away by then, though, right? Correct. I was fresh out okay. of college. Okay, and you were fresh out of college, and you you all right. So your dad passed away before the business was sold or closed, or take us we, back to then. It was uh, in 1970 he passed away. Mm-hmm. My mom kept it operating until 1978. Mm-hmm. But at that time, you know, the big stores had, had penetrated yeah. uh, the market so much, and much like they're doing today. Right. Uh, some of the things where the big fish swallow up the little fish is happening today. Oh, of course, as always. Is the building where the market was, where your parents' store was, is that still there? It's still there, and uh, it used to be the site of Mimi's a Ladies' Apparel, and now it's the site of Joseph's. And they do high-end shoes, high-end um, purses. Okay. Octavia and Magazine, I'm going to have to pay attention. Magazine, and that little area was a throbbing area as it is today. Yeah, yeah, it is, absolutely. Okay, so you were fresh out of college. Your dad had passed away. Your mom was seeing the handwriting on the wall, and the store closed or was sold? No, the store, we still, had, we still own the building. We were very fortunate okay. in keeping the building, but we, 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 uh-huh. uh, yeah. we basically, my mom was uh, getting older, and uh, we basically uh, remodeled the store and, and rented it. Yeah, well, you can survive on that. That's certainly prime real yeah. estate for sure. Okay, so then you uh, were now... Um, a young man who had been working daily, uh, all day, in the family business, and you decided to keep working, but to change the family business a little bit, huh? Yeah, well, um, we were starting, in New Orleans, just like a lot of uh, areas of the country, we're starting to eat out or um, eat poor boys or burgers and things like that. So that was coming on the scene, um, and... Um, and I decided to pursue that because you gravitate towards what's familiar to you. If right, my dad sure. was a carpenter, then maybe I'll become a carpenter. And you see right. that in, in mm-hmm. medicine a lot. Okay? Sure. So that was familiar to me. And I said, I want to go in business for myself. I want to be my own boss. I want to be independent. And I, I, I came uh, to Gretna. I was, I was um, uh, riding down the street, and I uh, saw a place that was affordable was $200 a month, and I said, well, that's for me. <laughs> I took wow. it, and I sold, uh, I think I sold $44 that day. 
mm-hmm. that first day. And I opened with five sandwiches and five tables. That was pretty good back then. It was it was adequate. It was it was sandwiches. That's all. And now yeah. we've expanded on to so many mm-hmm. different things. Yeah. Okay. So then that was your first location. And did you have to do any renovation to the building, or was it uh, something that you bought as and you know, turnkey, or what? No, it was a uh, just a vacant stall, mm-hmm. and I did. I started. I spent four thousand dollars, if that makes any sense. And, uh, that was a lot of money back then. It was. It's probably 40000 today. I, yeah. I had all of my inventory in what I call a phone booth, which was a, uh, a drink cooler. Mm. I had a deli case. <laughs> and uh. I had a little bitty warehouse and a, a, a sink and a steam table and an oven, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And what was the concept? Was it always muffaladas from the beginning? Yeah, it was muffalettas, roast beefs. We did not sell seafood. Uh, I don't know if anybody realizes, but... When my dad had his store, the only time we sold we sold seafood was on a Friday, and and uh, that's when it sold the most. So I started out without seafood sandwiches, which I guess today would be considered, you know, kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so it was only five sandwiches, and and the the neighborhood and the community took to me, and I took to them, and and then we just Voila. grew from there. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you open your second location? My second one was 1992. On General De Gaulle, and um, and that would we did a better job with that. I spent uh, more money, and, and it was I renovated the entire building. Mm-hmm. And, then, and did you did you buy that building also? Eventually, we bought the building. Uh huh. Eventually, okay. and um, uh-huh. one of the secrets to our success is we own three out of four properties that we that we have, yeah. and I I would advise people to be very careful when they go into the restaurant business. And pay these absorbent rents. It's it's very difficult. As you well, can that's see what, now. That's what made McDonald's what it is. They were very very diligent with the the purchase of real estate. I mean, the real estate was a huge part of that. You know. Yeah, yeah, and it it, it provides a floor for the yeah sure the entrepreneur Absolutely. because what happens is is you go and you put you know thousands of dollars in someone else's building. Right. On the whim that you're going to make it, and when right. you and when you uh, don't make it, which I don't know if people realize, but ninety nine ninety six percent of the restaurants that open in ten years are closed, and I think fifty eight percent are closed in uh, in a year or two years. It's I think it's I think it's um, five out of every two. Wait, something out of two hundred restaurants closes within the first five years or something I believe like it. that. Yeah, yeah I it's, believe it's, it. a, it's, a, it's a grim statistic. It's absolutely. But you know what? It doesn't seem to discourage many people because people are getting in the restaurant business all the time, you know? I'm telling so you. So I guess they just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what? Yeah, it, it, believe me, they keep coming. And I, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the, um, the lure of thinking it's such a glamorous business. And it's really not. It's hard work. Well, it, okay, first of all, it is, though, a glamorous business because it's, it's incredibly hard work. But if you think about it, you know, like we talked to, um, we talked to Colette Mandina on Monday. Uh-huh. And, you know, her dad, who's had the restaurant since 1982 or three. Anyway, um, they have a table right in the front when you walk in. 
and she bought the restaurant from him, but they go there every night and socialize with their customers. So, you know, I used to say to Tom when he would complain about working too hard, I would say, it's not like you're shoveling bloop, you know, it's, yeah. it's a glamorous business. It's very hard work for sure. But, you know, it is a very social thing, you know, and it, it is, it is a glamorous business. So you have now three, you have the three restaurants, what you have, you have three on the on the West Bank and one on the in Covington, right? Correct, correct. Okay, so the one in Covington is an evolution now of what you did. That's a that's a glamorous restaurant in and of itself. By the way, let me tell you, I love your staff there, and I want to specifically sh give a, a shout out to Brandy. They're lovely young people that work yeah. there. Yeah, they, we have a great staff over there. You do. And you yeah. really do. And we really, really um, uh, train them as much as we can because it is a, a business where people come and go, and it's a they constant do. struggle to, to train. Mm -hmm. Well, you did a good job. They're they're excellent. They 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 couldn't be more helpful, and she in particular. So um, the the restaurant on the North Shore though is sort of the prototype for where you're going with the the business. Is that right? Pretty much so. Yeah. I mean, when we can, when we. One of the things is we want to we want to own the property, so where we can buy property would depend on what type of uh, restaurant we would put up, um, and it would be depend on uh, how much property we could buy because that restaurant in Covington is is uh, three quarters of an acre, so uh, it needs yeah, plenty big. parking and it needs a nice building and nice surroundings. But if we could find something over here that would lend itself that we could take advantage of it, we would cho choose which concept we wanted to put there. And it's good to have two concepts. It's very mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Well, the, the, we went there Monday night, I think. Like, yeah, last Monday night we went. And Tom got a uh, chicken breast with garlic butter and your broccoli is incredible. I mean, it's just it's just like perfect broccoli. Yeah. You, and, you, uh, go ahead, what? No, I, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I do want to tell you something about that in, when you finish. No, go ahead. You, you go ahead. When, I, when, we, when we first came up with that dish, it's not very complicated. Uh, we don't do no, anything. No, but it was great. Yeah, but we don't do anything complicated like, you know, special sauces and things. We do just regular food, but yeah. we try to do it yeah. the best we can. Well, mm -hmm. when we were experimenting, my son and I were experimenting with the broccoli. But the, and, and, and I work fast. I mean, I'm, I may have been around a long time. We've been in business 46 years, uh, October 1st. But oh, I wow. still work as fast as anybody else. And I noticed I put the, together the broccoli, put it on the plate. By the time I got it to my uh, table, it wasn't cold. But it was lukewarm, mm -hmm. and the next time you get broccoli anywhere else, um, the um, it's okay. Going to I do have to stop. Cold. I have to stop you, Peter, because I have a very hard break for the news at the bottom of the hour. So hold your thought. We're going to come back, and I do want to talk about the meal he had, which was utter simplicity, but but delicious. It is three thirty, and time for the Louisiana Radio Network news. We'll be right back with Peter DiMartino after that. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Brooke Thorrington. Attorney General Jeff Landry is investigating the incident involving a fourth grader who was suspended for six days by Jefferson Parish Public School officials and their handling of a BB gun during a virtual class. Landry says it was a blatant government overreach by the school system. LSU begins defense of its national championship with a new quarterback, Miles Brennan. 
Jeff Palermo has more on the six foot four junior from Mississippi. Heisman Trophy winning QB Joe Burrow shattered numerous records last season as he led the Tigers to a national championship. So can Brennan match what Burrow did last year? I'm Miles Brennan. You know, I'm not worried about what he did, and, and I'm not going to be following in his footsteps. You know, because it's it's time for me to take my own path. Brennan arrived on LSU's campus in 2017 as a skinny kid. Now he's bulked up and ready to lead the LSU offense. The leadership and being able to extend plays on my feet and keep the guys upbeat. Um, you know, I think that's that's really important at the quarterback position. I'm Jeff Palermo, Louisiana Radio Network.com. This is Secretary of State Kyle Ardwin. COVID-19 has altered the way we do elections this year. And while Hurricane Laura may have ravaged our state, it will not break our spirit. Our office is working around the clock with state and local partners to bring early voting sites and election day polling locations back online. For Louisianans displaced by Hurricane Laura, you can exercise your right to vote this fall. Displaced voters have the option to vote early, vote on election day, or vote absentee. If you are unregistered, there is still time to register at either your current address, temporary residence, or the home from which you evacuated. To address COVID-19 concerns, we will take every sanitary precaution necessary to ensure voters can safely cast their votes. This includes mandating personal protective equipment for poll workers and making masks available for voters who want one. Voting machines will be sanitized between uses and social distancing will be enforced. If you have questions about the November 3rd presidential election, visit GoVote.com or call our election information hotline at 1-800-883-2805. You make me feel so young. All right, that's it. <laughs> Peter, we have, uh, we have these little intros that uh, Tom had recorded because he likes to sing, so um, we, the rejoinders. All right, so the, uh, the meal that Tom had was utter simplicity, but it was really good, and I love your little ramekin of broccoli. So yeah. go ahead, continue. And, and the thing was that when I fixed the broccoli, it was lukewarm, and, and, and I have to make a distinction when people say it's cold. In, in the restaurant business, cold could be lukewarm, and it is cold. So mm-hmm. something has to be hot, and it also has to be hot to last the entire or somewhat close to the end of the meal. Mm-hmm. And when we got it out there, we ate it. It was lukewarm at, as it was, no matter how, what you did to it. So we decided to put it in those little ramekins, as you say, and put a lid on it. So mm-hmm. that you can, it would stay hot, and um, you could take the broccoli out as you needed it. And it's a very classy presentation. I I like it very much. It was, uh, it, it, you know, when he said, "I'm just going to eat something light," and he ordered that, it was just so pretty, and uh, and it was good. It was really good too. So you have a menu at that place in Covington. The, the let's let's talk about the three original ones across on the West Bank. They're mostly sandwich. It's very casual. Is it fast casual? Yeah, it's fast casual, which is that that's the term that has changed what we what we used to call counter service. And mm-hmm. what we've done and and what we're doing now is renovating all of our places. And um, mm-hmm. we're trying to bring this counter service fast casual um, up a notch by serving better dishes. So we really have a New Orleans version of fast casual. And we mm-hmm. have eggplant parmesan, we have veal parmesan, we have fried seafood, fried oysters. So it's not just sandwiches anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's, so it's an upscale fast casual. And um, we have appetizers. Now, the Covington place started like that, and then you went to table service. Yeah. So it's, 
Good. It's sort of like an evolution on that. It Has that worked evolution. better for you? In Covington, it worked better. And, yeah. Uh, and, and it was interesting what you had going there. It wasn't. It was. It was odd because it's such a glamorous looking place. You expect it to be table service, and so well, then when you did the fast casual, and then you phased it out, I thought, okay, well now it's caught up with the look of the place. You know. Yeah, and I can tell you the evolution of that. Well, we we really wanted to do exactly what we were doing over here, and but we wanted to give all of our um, uh, our, um, our guests, we wanted to give them a better environment. So what mm-hmm. we did was, and my son can tell you, we actually overspent. Uh, we were so excited about giving the best that we could to the, to the people and the guests that we actually overspent. And what you just said is true. The 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 uh, the perception is what it was full service. Yeah. And yeah. when mm-hmm. you got in, it was fast casual. So we realized that mm-hmm. after about well, I realized that after about three months, two months, and then we started to change internally. But we couldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did not have the staff. Uh, the staff in a fast casual restaurant is different from a, the staff in a full service restaurant. Full service. Not only did we have to change the menu because uh, we didn't have anything higher end, and we needed to do that, and we also had yeah. to, to bring in wine and, and uh, educate people on wine and how it tastes and things like that. So even though it seems like all you had to do is change the people, it was a, it was a daunting task for us to change it into a full-service restaurant internally. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's but that is kind of what you're looking to do with all of them, right? Are you moving in that you're moving in that direction with all of them? No, not not on the West Bank. We're going to stay with what we have on the West you Bank. You are We've been okay. here so okay. long to change. Okay. With, we we we're really afraid of that. Well, I think I you know I think it works what you have on the West Bank, and it works what you have in Covington. So you've adapted to the particular. Uh, environment in which the restaurants exist. So, I, I mean, I think that's certainly valid. I know? think so, and uh, we're yeah. very satisfied that we have two concepts, one full service and one um, fast casual. And that's not unlike a lot of places. I think, what is it, P.F. Chang's has a, a fast casual um, version. A lot of people Everybody's, have yeah. Everybody's adapting to the insatiable market that apparently exists in the restaurant world. All right, so I want to ask you, going back to your Italian roots, how have how have you developed the menu based on your upbringing from you know close to the old country? How has that influenced the food that you serve? Well, a lot of it's influenced by what I ate and, and, and what my mom cooked. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we liked it, so we assumed, which may have may not have been correct, that everybody else would like it. And I think a lot of people do that. They, they, in, they, they put themselves in their, in their taste in their restaurant. So, yeah, sure, sure. You know. What were some of the favorite things that your, mom, that your mom cooked? I would assume that you got sort of a hybrid from the two different areas of Sicily, or were they close to each other? They were, they were pretty close to each they other. Were. Okay. In the okay. sense that a lot of red gravies, you mm-hmm. know, breaded meat. Um, mm-hmm. this kind of, we, we, we used to run a promotion, uh, uh, Spaghetti Sunday, um, uh, and we're going to bring that back, too. And, it, you know, many Italians would eat spaghetti and meatballs on a Sunday, 
and we ran that a, a while back, and it worked well for us, and we'll probably bring it back because mm-hmm. people like uh, spaghetti and pasta and things like that. That's it. That's very simple. You know, people like spaghetti and meatballs. That's they it. do. That's all there is to it. So how have you adapted, or I guess it evolved, you know, your your grandparents came here and then your uh, your parents and the food evolved when it became more Americanized, or, or did it? Well, uh, I mean, the ingredients are not the same for sure. No, you know? I... Basically, I just, as I said, I cooked what I liked, and it, 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 it sort of evolved, and, and I did what, what I thought would fit in. It, it really didn't have any rhyme or reason to it. All mm-hmm. of the things I do, um, I kind of uh, shoot from the hip in, in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. What are some of the favorites? What do people like the most that you're serving? They still like seafood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still like roast beef pull boys. Now, I can tell you that the muffaletta has, um, has we, I, and I'm not sure why, but the muffaletta has um, a kind of a decreased in popularity. And it may be because we have so much more on the menu as you mm-hmm. give them the selection. But mm-hmm. um, the roast beef sandwich is still very popular. That still is a very, that's probably the most popular along with the shrimp sandwich. Well, it's served on an Italian bread, yeah. which is, makes it unique, and it's really yeah. good. Who's doing your bread? Right. You, we used to uh, get our bread from United Bakery, but as everybody knows, know. they didn't come back. But um, Peter, I, I told this on the air once, or I told this to someone. I said that you told me that you had an opportunity to buy United after Katrina, and you didn't. And I think the person I told that to went, <gasps> which is exactly what I did. Do you ever think, uh, is that still an opportunity that you could do at some point, or is that gone now? Just no, totally gone. No, the property was sold, and I can tell you that that was probably, No, I mean the recipes. Well, I guess the recipes are still there, but a lot of it had to do with some of the equipment that they had. And uh, they, they used to have this thing called the dough breaker. And it would flatten out the bread, and it would like that's how they made that good Italian twist bread. So a lot mm-hmm. of the things, and they hand, they hand baked everything. You see, so a lot of mm-hmm. that's gone, and the property's been sold. But that may be the, one of the biggest mistakes I I never did I I, I ever passed yeah. on. And I'm st- I still yeah. regret that because that would have been an excellent <laughs> addition to the company. Well, I tell you what, it, uh, you know. That's why I asked you, is it possible the recipes are still out there? I bet you if you thought about it, uh, there, you could probably find that equipment somewhere. And not probably their so. equipment, but, Pro- you know, the, so. what they were using or a facsimile of it. Because uh, that is a tremendous loss to the city. Mm. That was spectacularly good bread. And yeah. honestly, it's really hard to find anything even remotely close to that now. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. And... Um, we're, right now we're buying our bread from Leidenheimer, and they do a good job, and they do a lot of special things for us, and um, that we, we tell them what we do and what we want, and, um, and, it, and it's worked out pretty good for us. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But nothing beats I mean, the United Bakery bread. No, it really is. It was outstanding. Gendusa was good, too, is good as well, but, um, but United was kind of in a class by itself, which is such yeah, a pity. It really was. So, so you have these great pictures on the walls in the restaurant in Covington. Do you have those pictures of the stalls in any of the other locations? Because yeah, we people, have them if in, you uh, are, go there, you of, should look at those. Yeah, we have them in all the locations. 
You do. All of them. You do. Because it was, yeah. it was definitely a, a special time, I'm sure. And uh, for a seven-year-old boy working in the family business, I'm sure it was heady, you know, but probably also exhausting because, you know, you had school and everything else. But it's just all you've known. So, I mean, your energy level is incredible. How long, you said 40, how many years? Uh, October 1st will be 46 years. 46 years. Well, it's, you're right up on an anniversary, so happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you. And I had a story to tell you about um, me being excited um, and, and affecting my life uh, working at 7. When I, I would work till 10 o'clock at night stock, stocking shelves and after school, uh, maybe Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and all day Saturday. Well, <clears throat> I started um, failing in uh, school. So, um, <laughs> yeah. my, I, obviously, my mom sent, uh, sent me down to uh, St. Alphonse's Church, where at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday, they did a novena to St. Anthony, to, uh, for who I think it was the uh, patron saint of the impossible. And, uh, and, um, I thought it was St. Jude. St. Anthony's no, the yeah. one I think you prayed to. I think you yeah, prayed to St. Anthony to find things. Yeah, whatever it was, I don't know, but we do a novena for me to pass. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> today I look back on that's, that and I say to myself, that's crazy. <laughs> that's so, so New Orleans, harder, though. So yeah, instead of studying harder, I went you, to pray. So, yeah, I think you're right about uh, well, that. Well, did it work? Did it work? Well, I got through. Yeah, I got through and eventually graduated go. from college, so I must something must have worked. There you go. There you go. Did you uh, did you grow up in the Irish Channel? No, I grew up uptown, right across the street uh, from uh, the store on Octavia. Okay. And mm -hmm. that was one okay. of the good things about um, the old days when most people would live in back or on the side or very close to their businesses. And so when uh -huh. your dad was working a lot of hours, he was still with you. He may have not been at home, but he was only across the street or in, in the store right. or something. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's a that was a good time and it was a a good family uh, strengthener that you know is not is not been present for a long time. Anyway, all right, we're gonna go, Peter. We have another break coming up, so I just wanted to uh, I wanted to close out on that note. So thank you very much for being with us. I uh, I love what the Sicilians have brought to uh, New Orleans cuisine and. Uh, who doesn't love Italian food? I mean, it's just, it, it speaks to your soul, you know? Yeah, and um, one final thing. Anyway. More Italians came through the Port of New Orleans than, than came through Ellis Island. And the reason was because they were quarantining them in New York for sickness, and they were just letting them through in New Orleans, letting them go all through the country. And letting them <laughs> in. I just wanted to end on that. <laughs> well, that, that explains why there are so many Sicilians in New Orleans. Then. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Thank you, Peter. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You very much. Bye-bye. All right. That was Peter DiMartino. We're talking about uh, Italian food in New Orleans, a little series. I just love, like I said, who doesn't love Italian food? It's been a great influence on New Orleans food, and we're going to do this series. I can't even say who's coming and when they're coming because everybody's schedule is so crazy, but uh, we will be exploring these Italian roots uh, in the coming weeks. 556-9696 five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number if you would like to talk. We are here to do that with you. We'll be right back after these messages. 
I have loved the Maple Street Cafe from the first time I walked into the place. Jamil Kutob turns out well-executed dishes that hint of the Mediterranean, but with a real New Orleans spirit. The grilled fish here is particularly excellent, but I have never had anything I didn't love. Call 314-9003 for their daily specials, which are exceptionally good and an exceptional value. Maple Street Cafe, 7623 Maple Street, Uptown. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils. Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Tony Mandina's roots go back to Salaparuta, Sicily. His father left in 1924, but those connections are still powerful. The restaurant uses extra virgin olive oil and wines made at Villa Mandina in the ancestral home. Tony's restaurant started in 1982 with 14 tables and has grown to seat 180, with his daughters and granddaughter running it now. Now, this West Bank favorite still serves their delicious Sicilian New Orleans menu in a place that feels like home, and pick up some of their famous red gravies sold in groceries all over town. Tony Mandina's 1915 Pratt Street, Gretna, 362-2010. I get misty just holding your hand. Yes, indeed. Who doesn't get misty holding hand? Uh, five five six nine six nine six is the number if you would like to talk. We are here to do that with you. We would love to uh, just blather on. Actually, that's what we do if you're not calling. But if you are calling, we would like to talk to you. I want to first say that uh, speaking of Italian places, Pascal's Manali is uh, one, it's not a grand dame, but it is one of the old ones. It's over a hundred years old. I think they made their hundred year um, anniversary in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. They have been serving great New Orleans food, the classics. It's the home of the original barbecued shrimp, which everyone I'm sure knows the story about. Someone came into the restaurant and um, had had a dish, a shrimp dish in New York, and they recreated it for him, and he said he liked it better, and voila, barbecue shrimp became an instant New Orleans classic. Pascal's Minnelli is open for lunch Tuesday through Friday, and they have specials. Uh, They have the happy hour specials. One of them is on Tuesday night. They have um, two-for-one appetizers in the happy hour time this is in the dining room though Wednesdays they have um, half hour half bottles of wine they have uh, on Thursday is beer night it's two dollars for domestic beers and 250 for imported beers and on Friday they have five dollar martinis at lunch Pascal's Minnelli uh, changed hands what two years ago it is not any different. If anything, it's spruced up a little bit. Go see them if you haven't been in a while. It's the classic New Orleans place. They're located at 1838 Napoleon Avenue. Uh, the phone number there is 895-4877. Re- re- recommendation, 
Let me try that again. Reservations are recommended. That's Pascal's Manali. 5569696. Speaking of classic New Orleans restaurants, one of the books that I have here is the Court of Two Sisters cookbook, which is really kind of a small book considering the stature of the restaurant. It's one, I don't know how long they've been around, but um, I would guess it's probably about that time frame when um, Tom was talking about the Ford Motor Company changing the fortunes of people by shortening their work week and, um, and giving them more money to spend. I think that the Court of Two Sisters is probably in that number of places that have been around since that part of the 20th century, old enough to be old, but young enough to not be a grand dame. We went, we tried to go to Court of Two Sisters, um, let's see, the day that we wound up at commissary, that would have been Tuesday. And of course, I didn't do what I should have done, which was check. And, uh, and so we wound up not going, but we're overdue to go there. If you've been at Court of Two Sisters lately, give us a call, 5569696. Did you say we have a, a caller? Mike. Let's talk to Mike. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hello. The fascinating gourmet. Please be fascinating. I could certainly use it. The <laughs> uh, first thing I want to say is I really enjoyed that segment. That guy was really pleasant to listen to. You can tell he's very passionate about he what he's passionate is. about what he does. He is. Have you ever talked to him in person? Have you ever gone to the restaurant in Covington and, and had him there? He's so fun to talk to. No, I haven't. The the ones his places that I patronized the most were the ones on the West Bank because my father in law was in a assisted living over there. Right down the right, right down the road from where one of their locations I think on De Gaulle. And we used uh -huh. to stop in there pretty, pretty pretty regularly to pick up food for him and, and uh no, I haven't been I honestly haven't been to the one in Covington, but not by design, just because I haven't just never really think about it. I'm kinda of far away from there. But uh, uh -huh. it sounds like you'd be worth the effort to get over there. It is. It's a nice place. It is um, very different from the ones on the West Bank. It's like a totally different concept. And he said he's keeping them as two separate concepts. But it's kind of a glamorous-looking place. And uh, and the food's really good. You know, it's, right. it's simple but good. Anyway, I'm, I'm assuming that's not really what you call for. I'm really concerned because I find myself shadowing you all way too much <laughs> in the sense that we went to Dakota Saturday night. Oh, um, did do you go there very much? No, we hardly ever go. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It was your okay. your influence that got oh, motiv gosh. motivated us to go. Okay. And we had a very very pleasant experience. Um, you know, I had read the write up you did when you all mm -hmm. went, and yeah. everything you all everything you all ate sounded sounded fantastic to me. It was good. So I was really not interested in even worrying about the entrees because all the apps just sounded so good. And uh, my wife decided to go ahead and do the, the special menu, whatever they call it these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that worked, that worked out well because we, she had like four courses and I was able to order three appetizers that corresponded with her prefix courses. Mm -hmm. And I started, I started out with the, uh, with the, uh, Oh, what's that marinated seafood called? I'm having a senior ceviche? moment here. Ceviche? Ceviche, yeah. Uh -huh. 
that that was really delicious. I really enjoyed that. And uh, the second dish I had was the oysters mosca. And I agree with your assessment of that dish. I know you said Tom enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't that it was bad. It just wasn't what I was looking for in that type of dish. I, I wanted more olive oil and garlic yeah. and less lemon. Yeah. The lemon was very dominant in it. It really was. Uh-huh. But it was certainly edible. And, uh, you know, I didn't regret yeah, having right. ordered it. It could, it could have been tweaked to be a little better. Uh-huh. And then the third thing I had was that duck crepe that was spectacularly good. <gasps> oh, yes. Wasn't it? That was re- that was really delicious. Oh, wow. And, and it was huge, going- too. I mean, you don't expect to get an appetizer uh, that, that's that large. That was like a meal, you know? Yeah, it could have it very easily been an entree, the serving size. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it was a very, you know, it had been a while since I had been there, and it's a very pleasant atmosphere in there. It really is, you know? I, I enjoyed being there. The server was very accommodating. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a nice number yeah. of people in there. You know, they, they, they're doing well for a place that's been around for 30 years. They clearly have some loyal customers because, you know. They do. They do. And I think that's the thing with them. It's like they were the original over here, you know. And right. Right. then there's been a lot of people that have moved in, and they they don't advertise. They just keep – they're under the radar. They're in that bizarre space where, you know, they're – overshadowed by that motel or whatever it is and you just don't think about it you know I you mean, know it, you know you don't my, think about it. well at my age I, I don't really trust my memory these days but I, I seem to think I remember hearing that they were thinking about retiring yes. you know yeah. no, not retiring supposedly moving well I mean okay there's there's a health issue there that I just learned about on Saturday and I, I need to run that down to find out what the deal is there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they Kim Kringley is just, you know, a really great chef. But, I mean, I've always said that they were coasting, which they kind of are, because they haven't really done anything dramatic to the menu in all that time. But the food's just freaking great, <laughs> you know? Well, you know there's a lot of restaurants that fall in that category. The one that comes to mind is Clancy's, but hey, you can't. Good is like Tom always said. Good is good, you know. If it tastes right. good, it is That's good. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, I know we get So where else have you been shadowing us, and why don't we ever run into you if you've been shadowing us? <laughs> well, I'm going one week beyond you, I guess. One week later than you. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're going back to Chifonte for our second visit. Not this weekend, but next weekend. Okay. And it's, uh-huh. instead, of, instead of it just being my wife and I, we're going to go with another couple so we can have a chance to kind of explore the menu a little more in depth. And I'm uh-huh. really, really looking forward to it. So I'll call with a report after we go. Okay. Now, are you a fan of Oxlot? Because that's where we hang out. I like Oxlot. My favorite meal at Oxlot is Sunday brunch. So if I was well, to ever run into to you, probably, what, what's the problem with it now? No, no, there's no problem with it. It used to be my favorite meal, but now I'm just completely jazzed about lunch there. Have you been to lunch there? Uh, How many days a week are they open for lunch? Well, it it looks like Wednesday through uh, Sunday now. I mean, but I'm telling you, that is a heck of a menu with incredible prices tom got a 24 dollar filet mignon that would blow your mind really it's yeah it is 
crazy good stuff being, there. Being that it's such a small place, are you comfortable with the amount of people that are in it when you're in there for lunch? I mean, they're, what they're does not that mean? packed in there. They're not packed in there, I guess is what I'm asking you. Oh, I have COVID denial, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not the right person to ask that question. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> okay. okay. Don't get me started on that. All right. I'll get in trouble. Anyway, thanks for calling. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, I won't say 556 because we're done with the show. And uh, we will see you on Monday. Um, Nomenu.com, N-O-M-E-N-U.com is where you'll go if you want some podcast of previous shows or if you missed a part of this show, uh, like Peter DiMartino's wonderful interview. Um, go there, Nomenu.com and click on the food show which comes up first you can sign up for the newsletter through nomenu.com we get it out twice a week it's loaded with cool stuff a lot of tom's vintage pieces which are just wonderful when our daughter started researching this stuff she was so impressed with her dad for the first time ever because it's great writing and a lot of really cool stuff so that's there too we have our instagram page uh, which is at the New Orleans menu. We would love for you to follow us there. There's a lot of fun pictures that we take of all the food. And she does that as well, and she's very clever, so that's worth doing. Emmy the Story Lady for your kids and grandkids. That's my own podcast, E-M-M-I-E, -M -M -E, of uh, classic children's tales like Grimm's Fairy Tales. And uh, Tim McNally is up next for the Dine, Wine, and Spirit Show leading us all off into the weekend. TGIF, everyone have a wonderful weekend. We will see you again on Monday. It's WGSO New Orleans. Time for the Louisiana Radio Network. The best place for cutting-edge news and talk about southeastern Louisiana is the John Mason Show. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. on WGSO 990 AM, broadcasting live from the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. Organizations and saying that lynching needs to be made a federal hate crime. President Trump delivering remarks at his second of three rallies set for Friday, the president courting the African-American vote. Before the China virus, we built the greatest economy for African-Americans in the history of our country, and we are doing it again. President Trump ending his day in Newport News, Virginia. Former Texas Congressman Ron Paul is in the hospital and recovering from a medical emergency, which happened while he was live-streaming a talk show. The 85-year-old was speaking about the economy on his YouTube channel when his speech became slurred and he struggled to continue speaking. You're listening to USA Radio News. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jordan and his wife Jenny was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. 
On Saturday, President Trump will name the successor to Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died last week. The president and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell are under pressure from Democrats to wait until after the November 3rd election. But McConnell tells Fox News. We can't pick and choose when big decisions are foisted upon us. The election is no reason uh, to dodge our responsibility and not go forward uh, with a well-qualified nominee, which I anticipate we're going to get uh, Saturday afternoon. France's counterterrorism prosecutor is opening an investigation into a knife attack. USA Radio Network's Chris Barnes has the details. A terrorism investigation has been launched after a stabbing attack in Paris. At least two people were injured, although earlier reports had put that number a bit higher. The victims in the incident earlier today are said to be in serious condition. This is USA Radio News. The gift of good taste and doing good are as close as your phone and Ralph's on the Park restaurant. Gift cards are the perfect gift, always the right size and always appreciated. Ralph's on the Park gift cards benefit displaced employees as they struggle during this most difficult time. Fine dining and good intentions have never gone together so well. Physical gift cards and e-cards are both available at 504-539-5506 on New Orleans-Food website and the cards are accepted at all all six Ralph Brennan restaurants. Hi, this is Kate Delaney from America Tonight. The show kicks on at midnight, and I'm loving the overwhelming support in New Orleans. What a group of fantastic listeners here on WGSO 990 AM. Join me every morning to catch up on what I call the buzz in your backyard and mine. You'll hear some of the most interesting people on the planet from the world of business, politics, sports, and, well, just intriguing people with a story to tell. If you're around, give us a call. Don't worry, I'll spit out the number plenty of times on the air. Let's agree to meet at midnight right here on WGSO 990 AM in New Orleans. Not a bad day today. A few clouds coming in tonight, and we'll have a pretty decent day until late in the day with a possible shower tomorrow afternoon. A dry night overnight with morning lows of 70. Tomorrow afternoon, sunshine to partly cloudy. Slim chance, isolated for a storm. Low to mid-80s tomorrow. Middle 80s on Sunday. Widely scattered showers coming back Sunday with a better chance likely of showers and thunderstorms Monday into Tuesday ahead of a real fall-like cool front. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. CDC is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of a novel or new coronavirus. There are steps you can take now to get ready if an outbreak occurs in your community. Make a household plan. Older adults and people with chronic medical conditions are at greater risk. Take extra steps to protect them. Think about what you will do if there are changes to your work schedule. Practice good health habits, such as frequently washing hands with soap and water, staying home when sick, and covering coughs and sneezes. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Welcome to the New Orleans Dine, Wine, and Spirits Show, your daily opportunity to hear what's going on in the world of beverage and dining in New Orleans and around the world. Your host is Tim McNally. Tim welcomes your phone calls and your questions. Call 504-556-9696. Now, here's your host, Tim McNally. All right, 
right, let's get on with it. Let's answer some questions here and see. Oh, it's fine if we have any questions to answer, I guess. Uh, we appreciate you being with us on this uh, afternoon. We're seeing a little sunshine for a change. Uh, we are at 77 degrees right here, and that's going to be about it. Uh, we're going to stay here for a bit uh, tonight, going all the way down to 72. <laughs> Which, which is just so darn comfortable, it's fine. A lot of people keep their air conditioners set at 72. We'll be a little warmer tomorrow, mid-80s. They're talking about a little warmer than that on Sunday.